welcome to another uh, edition of K-Talk. Today on K-Talk, we're going to be talking about me, your host, Henry, and his experience of the whole adoption process and how he feels about meeting his father. In this segment, we'll be talking about how I met my father, my emotions, and how I felt. Stay tuned. Hello, and welcome to Gate Talk. Today, we're going to be talking about my emotions. And yes, we're going to be talking about how I felt about meeting my father, and how I felt really about, you know, the whole experience about being adopted. My story begins as for the following. My mom, who is Marianne, who I'm sure you guys all know, and my father, Gil, not to be confused with my brother, Gil, um, they adopted me when I was six months old and I came over to the United States, I believe, in the year of 1996. I came over here um, with somebody from the army, I believe, and he was wearing his uniform and I come over here and my parents are super excited and um, according to my mother, she says that my uh grandfather and grandmother came down to see me when I was little um, our grandfather we would always call Papa and we always called our grandmother Nana anyway they came down and saw me and I guess I grew up originally when I started um, you know you know talking and all that good stuff I actually started my life out living over on a ha- in a house I should say on um, Cold Spring Lane. It was a three-story house, and my brother and I were fond of the house. On the third floor, we had um, a computer room that was nice, a bathroom that had a tub uh, with lion's feet, which I really liked. Um, And it was nice. And I remember in the kitchen, we had a ginormous window where you could see behind a bush where we kept a bird feeder. And every single morning you could see cardinals and uh, chickadees, which was pretty cool. Um, And then after so many years of living in that house and, you know, having a couple Christmases there and growing up and everything, um, we moved to the location we're at now. And we've been here at this location in a place called Homeland um, for about 13 years almost. And... It's been an amazing experience, and I love my parents very much, and I love, you know, um, the fact that I was given a chance to get a better um, education and a better life here in America. While growing up, I didn't really know much about, you know, about me being adopted and, you know, all of um, this. And so, while growing up, you know, my mom always told me that she adopted me because, you know, at first what happened was she adopted Gil. And then her story was that she said, oh, well, if we adopt Gil, why not adopt a second person? And my mom told me that um, she uh, got lucky and was able to adopt me because she didn't really care um, who she ended up with 
And so there uh, was a time of where I asked my mom and I said, Mom, did you really care if I had become a, you know, if I was a female or if I was, you know, a male or whatever? And she says, whatever we had ended up with, I would have told, I would totally be happy with. And I said, if you had ended up with a daughter, would you still have loved her as much as you loved me? And she said, yeah. And I thought that was pretty nice. So there was a um, camp. Uh, I gotta think um, of what you know of what the acronym here. But there's a thing called Children's um, Agency, which was a Korean um, agency. I believe it was called. Um, Al, oh, I don't remember what exactly the whole thing is, but it was called Children's, and it was an adoption agency, and so what happened with this is that my mom got in contact with the um, agency, and that's how I came here to the United States. And through the children's agency, my mom met somebody named Grace. And Grace has been part of children's um, for a really long time. And also, she's been a part of a camp called Camp Rice. And originally, she started a camp uh, called um, CLDCS, I think it was called. And it was where we learned about Korean culture. And it was fantastic. And so people at the camp like um, Judith Loving, uh, Marion Woodward, um, Keith, I can't think what his last name is. Um, I don't think Spencer, Spencer Stevens was around quite yet, but um, there's people like that. There was also um, a couple other people I'm forgetting to mention. Mia, I believe, was there. Um, and that's also when, um, uh, I'm trying to think what his name is. Um, I can't think what this guy's name is. It's blanking, but, um, Sana was there, you know, lots of people we all, you know, that are before Camp Rice. And at the camp, we would learn different things. We would learn things like, um, like Korean culture, we would learn Korean language class, we would learn different things of around the world. One year we had a theme um, called uh, Me in the World, I think it was called. And what was cool about that is not only did we learn about our Korean culture, but we also learned about different cultures from around the world. And, she, and Child's uh, agency camp was more of an immersion camp and it lasted three days and then the very last year um, children's camp was around so we all said our farewells and we were all quite sad about it and so once that kind of uh, stopped being a camp Grace invented or rather created a camp called Camp Rice and Camp Rice is a camp that lasts three days. Well, rather, it lasts two and a half days. But what's great about Camp Rice is Camp Rice is a camp that 
teaches about Korean adoption, Korean culture, and learning about things like Korean food, and learning specifically things like Korean dance, and getting you know tips and ideas from people like Lydia, who teaches um, a Korean um, spa class. We also have um, somebody who teaches uh, Korean cooking, and her name is Mrs. Kim. And then we also have some people like Sandy uh, Roadheaver or Miss Roadheaver, and um, we also have people that um, don't teach classes, but help lead, uh, you know, camp as in being a group leader, like um, Gil Wiley, who's my uh, brother, uh, Mia, um, uh, um, uh, who else can I think of? Matthew Booth. Um, you know, there's a lot of people who, who um, you know, are camp leaders. But what's great about this camp is that it brings a lot of Korean adoptees and a lot of Korean learning, wanting to learn people together and where they can learn the experiences of being adopted and how it feels to have a brother or a sister that's adopted, how it feels to have somebody that, you know, that's different. And so I like this Korean immersion camp and I've been going to it ever since I can remember and when it first started. And so in going to these camps and growing up with my mom and my dad and my brother, I kind of realized that being a Korean adopted person didn't really mean a whole ton to me back then. And I always thought that being a Korean adoptee meant, you know, I'm different or, you know, that I don't belong or that being, you know, in a different environment, as in, you know, being here in the United States, sometimes I didn't feel like I belonged. Sometimes, you know, I'm like, oh, I'm different. You know, why am I different? And so as I grew up, I, you know, learned from my mom and dad that, you know, that it's okay to be different, that it is okay to, you know, do different things and, you know, be different and to, you know, that if I have a talent or a special talent or something like that, you know, to show it off, to be, you know, different. And so I learned along the way that being different was okay. As I grew up with my brother, I, you know, would go to school. Um, when I was a kid, I had uh, dyslexia, and I got over that, and I got tested at Kennedy Krieger, actually, for all of that, which was pretty cool. Um, and so I, you know, looked into those problems of what I had and kind of went with it. Um, and then as growing up, I went to high school, and my high school was Archbishop Curley. One of the best high schools I, you know, I could have ever attended. One of the finest high schools, I should say, I attended. And so, with that being said, we go to Korea, and I should tell you that I'm backtracking here, but I went to Korea in the year of 08. And I went with my brother, my mother, father, and myself. And we went on the trip. And we went with a couple of families. One family was from Boston. One was an older Korean adoptee who was, um, I think, 35. 
And then we went with someone named Melanie Kent, Debbie Kent, and Debbie Kent's uh, husband, who I'm blanking on. I think his name is, uh, um, his name begins with an R. I can't think what his name is. I'm blanking out, and I'm very sorry for um, discrediting that. And we also went with someone named um, Nick and Kylie, um, who were very, very, very nice. And we also end up with uh, Matthew Booth's family, Matthew Booth, Camille Booth, and the parents of Matthew and Camille Booth. And that was really um, cool. So in Korea, when going for the first time, I wasn't really sure what to think about as going because, you know, it was 13 and a half hours to get over there. I didn't really think much of it. And so, my brother and I were kind of, you know, you know, kind of uh, unsure how to feel about it. But by the time we went to Korea and we came back, we both loved it. And it gave a chance for my brother to get more immersed into Korean culture. And so, he was like, hey, I feel really good about this. You know, I liked it. I want to go back, I want to do this, this, and this, and, and he was really happy about, you know, everything. And so, when he went over there, he got immersed into Korean uh, music and Korean uh, music videos, because back then, Korean music videos told a story, and so he got immersed in all that, and, you know, after, you know, doing all of that, you know, I, I kind of thought, you know, maybe I do want to go back. Maybe I do want to, you know, do a birth search at some point. And um, several years later, I did. Now, to backtrack just a little bit, I did go um, see my foster parents. And in Korea, there's two agencies that are in Korea. And one of them is um, Eastern, which was helped by uh, children's. Um, adoption agency here in America and then there was also an agency called Holt and there's one other agency that I can't think of off the top of my head but there was another um, agency over there that really helped and so over that 2008 um, vacation we went uh, we both met our foster parents I met my mother uh, foster figure and she told me while totally crying her eyes out, she said, um, I wish your father, you know, your foster father could have been here. And if we had planned for it the next day, he would have been able to come. But because he had worked this, uh, that day, he couldn't, uh, come. But, you know, me personally meeting her was a wonderful experience and it was really cool to meet her. And I, I wouldn't have pictured meeting her going any different um, because she's the lady that took care of me before my actual parents, you know, Marianne and Gil, uh, you know, took care of me. And to be with her for uh, a couple months was, was great, but I didn't know at the time that I was going to be adopted that I was going to, you know, come to the United States or anything of that sort. 
And so bringing you now from the past up to speed, I am now 24 years old, and now I can share the part of my actual story. My actual story begins with my adoption and all about, you know, what happened. But before I get to that, I would like to make the note that I did go back to Korea. And that is going to be very relevant in the next couple minutes here. So keep that in mind. If you're just joining us, I am your host, Henry Kim, which is what I go by because I use my last name, um, Kim, which is my Korean last name, but my real last name is Wiley. And I hope you guys are enjoying this segment of K-Talk. Please tune in every week for an update and for another episode of K-Talk. If you're just joining us, like I said before, today's guest is me, your host, Henry Kim, and I am talking today about, you got it, adoption. So getting back to the story, I went back to Korea about three, four years ago, and this was, I think, in 2016, maybe, 2017, somewhere in there. And so I went back to Korea. And remember how I told you it's going to, I told you I would be talking about the beginning. <clears throat> well, here's where it comes into play. I go over on a tour with Grace Song and a few other um, people on the tour. One of them, Winter O'Connor, and um, her brother. And I also went over, I believe, with um, um, Alex Treff and uh, Alex's um, parents. And I think he has a brother. And we went over with, I think, um, two other families. Um, but anyway sticking to the story here we go over and we're having fun and we had a group conversation uh, before we went to Korea and they said what is one thing you hope to uh, do in Korea and what is one thing you hope that you'll get to do in Korea and so the one thing I wanted to do in Korea was explore the food and uh, culture and not only the food culture, but also the uh, sights. And the one thing I wanted to really do was hopefully meet my father. Before I put out the birth search um, and, and all of that, I talked to my parents and I said, you know, hey, you know, would it be okay to put out a birth search? And my parents were very supportive. And they said, sure, you know, we can put out a birth search. We'll see what happens. And, you know, if we get anything that, you know, we can go. What's uh, really humbling is that it took me not even two years. And so after about maybe a year of waiting, we got a hit and I found my father. But here's the interesting part of the story. The interesting part is that when I got, you know, confirmation that my father, you know, was alive, I got a call 
or rather a message from the agency and it says we have found your father but originally we found your brother and so what happened was my brother called originally the agency and said hi this is so and so I'm Henry's brother where can I find him and the agency kind of thought this was you know not gobbledygook but kind of thought this was uh, very unusual and so after that call about three days later my actual father calls the station you know or the agency really and says yes that was you know Henry's brother you know don't you know mind him I'm his father and yes I would like to uh, meet with him and so I did a lot of um, you know wondering of will my parents want to see me do my parents uh, you know know I still exist do they care that I'm okay you know different things and so I get a letter back from my father and my father says I'd like to meet you I have been a part haven't been a part of your life in a really long time and I'd like to meet you and you know see what you who you've grown up to be so after getting that letter I go um, on this trip and I go you know have fun but along on the trip I wasn't expecting to meet my father and I get confirmation just before I go actually on the trip and they said we want you know Henry you know Henry's father would like to meet him and so over on the trip I go over and Grace and this lovely lady who's the interpreter um, from the agency of um, Eastern comes along and we meet my father meeting my father was one of the best experiences I could have ever hoped for and you know a few days earlier before meeting my father my mother comes along and she uh, comes over to meet my father with me and I couldn't have asked her a better meeting experience meeting my father with my mom Grace and the interpreter and learning about my father learning about the fact that I had a sister or have a sister and a brother um, and you know knowing that my mom you know works to pay bills one of the things I did before I left uh, and when I saw my father was I went out and I bought him a gift and I bought him I think a tracksuit if I can remember correctly and I bought him that tracksuit because I felt really you know felt really upset about the fact that he lived in a remote part of uh, Pusan which is where I'm from in a remote part of that city where it's hard to get contact with him and where it's hard to even you know you know reach him and so I felt bad that you know he went through all this trouble to come see me his son and I didn't exactly get him a gift besides giving him a memory book of pictures of me from growing up from when I was little to now you know and in, in the present so I give him the tracksuit and I leave it with the agency and you know I'm sure hope to this day that he um, he got it and I 
want to send a shout out to my father and telling him that I miss him. If you're just joining us, I'm your host, Henry Kim, and today's guest is me. Today you've learned about myself, and you're going to be learning a little bit more of myself today, and my Korean experience, and my adoption story. Once we come back from this short break, we'll learn more about my adoption story, and we'll find the ending conclusion of how my visit with my father went, what happened in Korea, and did I take anything away from the experience. So stay tuned. Welcome back to Gay Talk, and today we have a special guest, me. I'm your host, Henry Kim, and today I'm talking about my adoption experience and how I feel about the whole experience, what did I do when I was in Korea, and how did I feel after meeting my father. So to get back with the story, I met my father, and like I said, I left him, you know, you know a gift at the agency and I'm sure he got it and I'm sure he's very happy about that but at the end of my father's visit when I met him for two hours and we had lunch with him I talked to my father and I have a vivid memory of him he was about the same height as me maybe a little bit taller he had a beautiful smile and we all didn't plan this but he, we all color coordinated and he had a blue shirt on I had a blue shirt on and it was very nice and I still think about him to this day so at the end of meeting him my father gave me $250 in a US currency I tried to explain to him you know I can't take this and I told the interpreter I said hey Please tell my father, I can't take this. She tried to explain to my father that, you know, even though it was a nice gift, I couldn't accept the $250. But he kept shoving it in my face and telling me, please, take this. And I felt like I'd be insulting my own father by, you know, by not taking it. The best way to put this is, I felt like I was rounding off a great day by robbing my own father which didn't seem very good because to tell you the truth I didn't exactly like taking that 250 from my father all because I felt like I was doing something wrong taking something from my family where I know my family's poor and where my family you know can't do a whole ton to get by so I said you know hey dad I'll take this and you know that's it you know I, I had to take it I didn't want to take it I didn't want to take the $250 but I did after I took that I gave it to my mother and my mother held on to that $250 when I came back to the United States my mother gave me back the money and to this day I still have $250 sitting in a jar or rather an envelope and I still haven't touched it to this day it's $250 that I'm saving for when I really need it or maybe I just won't spend it at all 
Maybe I'll turn that back into Korean currency or just leave it in the currency of the United States and maybe send it back to my father. I still don't feel right to this day of spending 250 or rather any part of that money my father gave me. I feel that if I spent any of it, I'd just be, you know, making myself happy. But then I'd feel like I'd be spending something that I shouldn't have nor do I deserve. Because I really didn't feel good about taking money from my own father. After meeting my father, I felt there was a lot of closure. And I felt really happy that I actually met my father for the first time in ever. Going to Korea and experiencing one of my, what I experienced in which meeting my father was the op- an option and you know being happy and spending time with a lot of my friends like um, like Michael Awada you know and Kiku and you know having all these people that I knew you know you know be there and experience a lot of the things that I did I felt that was really cool to do something not only that was you know, humbling for myself, but to see others and see how they, you know, felt about their experience and how, you know, they came to be. And there's a person that was on the trip and his name um, was um, Danny Pacchioli. And he was um, on the trip and he went with his parents, uh, Mr. and Mrs. Pacchioli, and I talked to them about the experience of me, you know, being, you know, sad and everything, and when meeting my um, foster parents and all that, and how I'm supposed to feel and all that, and I said, just let your emotions go, and she was right, you know, to listen to me, because she let her emotions go, um, Danny let his uh, emotions go, and you know, uh, and Lori Pacchioli said it was one of the one of the um, most humbling um, experiences she could have had meeting Danny's foster parents and looking into his file and you know getting some information of you know who he is. For me, when I looked in my file, there wasn't much there, and I felt kind of um, I guess upset about it. But now that I look back at it, I understand why there wasn't a lot of um, uh, stuff in my file, I guess. So now that I'm older and now that I've become a better person, now I understand why I was adopted. And it wasn't because of the fact my parents didn't love me. It was because my parents couldn't financially raise me. And the story goes that my parents had missionary nuns living next door. And they said, we see that you can't raise a third child because you have already have two of your own right now. And it would be in your best interest to give them up for adoption. To be honest, I do thank my parents for putting me up for adoption and giving me a better life here in the United States and where I've made connections with people like Grace Song and where I've made connections with other Korean adoptees. 
I don't think that if I had stayed in Korea, I would have had the necessary means nor the education or money to become who I am now. In almost having an associate's degree at Howard Community College and becoming a very happy young man. So every day, I do thank my parents and I do thank my adoptive parents as well in giving me everything I need to be a successful young man and giving me the love and care that a family is supposed to give their child. I'm happy that I actually was able to come to America and I wouldn't trade being adopted for anything else in the world because in being adopted by the parents I have now, they did a really good job of raising me and they did a good job of teaching me how to be the son that's supposed to be happy, respectful, and caring. Today we talked about me, Henry Kim, and my experience and how we came to the whole thing about being adopted and how I was adopted. I hope you enjoyed my adoption story and a little bit of my background and where I come from. And I hope that I've inspired you to maybe look up a little bit about how you are and what your adoption story is. Hopefully one day, you, the adopted kid, will be able to look in your own file and see what information lies ahead. For each adopted kid out there, I wish you the best. I hope you enjoyed this segment of K-Talk, and I hope one day every adopted kid out there from any country does make that connection to finding their birth parents and making some sort of connection that can bring closure and happiness to the kid. Join us next week when we explore and talk about how it feels to be the parent of an adopted kid. Next week, we'll be talking to my parents, Marianne and Gil Wiley, and asking them questions about how do they feel about having two adopted sons, and how do they feel about adopting from the country of South Korea, as opposed to being um, having the experience of being parents of adopted children from another country like Japan or China, and how they got the idea of adopting from South Korea. So I hope you can join us next week for that segment and much more.